Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and finally, football is back. I just watched the Lions and the Chiefs week one matchup where the Kansas City Chiefs lost 21 to 20. Uh, you can give Kadarius Tony number 19 all you want. He is no Debo Samuel. But today we are going to discuss the San Francisco 49ers as they travel to the East Coast in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and take on the Pittsburgh Steelers 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. It's going to be a bloodbath. They called it or used to call it Heinz Field. Uh, there will be some ketchup on the field, but it'll actually be a little bit of blood. Um, I am expecting a physical defensive battle on Sunday, but let's just bask in the glorious feeling football is back a long off season we made it you made it i made it um for niner fans a little more bittersweet but we are here it's been a tumultuous just almost angry depressing off season for san francisco 49er fans knowing what happened at the end of last year against philadelphia and the entire off season had you know so many different storylines but we are finally here we have made it. Week one of the NFL season is upon us. And to celebrate the matter, we are going to preview the San Francisco 49ers against the Pittsburgh Steelers, dive into how and really why San Francisco should and could win this game on Sunday, but also what could give them fits, what could give them issues, and what could lead to them potentially losing this game on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Want to remind you and ask you kindly to like and subscribe to the podcast either on YouTube or on the audio platforms you're currently listening to me on. Also, use that promo code 49ersaccess at SeatGeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. And without further ado, let's preview week one of the NFL season. Niners versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. And first, the injury report uh, it's a pretty good one for the San Francisco 49ers, knowing how bad it truly could have been coming into week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers. George Kittle, going to be active. He's practiced the last two days, going to practice tomorrow, or I guess Friday today, when you're hearing and watching this. Uh, Jake Moody, he'll be active. <laughs> Might not be a good thing to a handful of people, but a good thing for a rookie kicker to be healthy for week one. Hopefully his performance is up to par with his third round pick status. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod, he looks like he's going to be active on Sunday. A revenge game for Ray Ray McLeod. Uh, broke the wrist a couple weeks ago and has really just surprised us and is able to play on Sunday. Hopefully uh, it seems to be he's going to be able to be healthy and active come week one. Nick Bosa, that's the big one. He's back. He's going to be active. And even if it's a small sample size or uh, a small limited reps, when Nick Bosa's out there, uh, it's a good thing for the San Francisco 49ers. So again, this team is getting healthy just for week one. We are having a healthy Niners team going into the year. But I will say this. Uh, an injury did come up today, that being Thursday, September 7th, that does have me a little leery of what could happen on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers offense and Pickens and Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth and even Allen Robinson out there for the, the black and yellow of the Steelers. Mooney Ward, starting cornerback, came up on the injury report today with a heel injury. He's currently questionable. Um... 
didn't practice today. Uh, that's a red flag first off, but for some good news to kind of calm the storm, to calm the worry, uh, Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the Niners and defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes both said they expect Mooney Ward to play on Sunday against Pittsburgh. But, um, and that kind of opens our show as to what could happen, what should happen, what could help San Francisco, what could hurt San Francisco on Sunday against Pittsburgh. If, and we'll start negatively here because we always like to start negatively here on the show, if Mooney Ward cannot play on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers, well, um, then you're relying on people like Ambry Thomas and Demo Lenore and Isaiah Oliver, which one of those players in Lenore has certainly uh, proven himself thus far in his, what, down a three-year career, especially last season, uh, being his best. But let's be honest here, if Mooney Ward can't play, you're likely going to see George Pickens lined up against... Lenore and you know for all of Lenore's great things he does George Pickens happens to be the best 50-50 ball catcher in football um there really is nobody else in the NFL like George Pickens when it comes to mossing a defensive back or going up and get it and if they're gonna play 50-50 ball and play three flies up and you know whatever else you want to call it and just tell George Pickens go up there and get it um Lenore is a smaller defensive back, and if you had to ask me, uh, I would give the edge to Pickens in that case. And even Deontay Johnson, um, we have no idea who or what Isaiah Oliver is going to be. Uh, when you're signed to replace Jimmy Ward, the expectations are you are going to be one of the best nickel cornerbacks, a leader, a ferocious tackler at the running game, and be solid enough in coverage to where you may not cause turnovers, but you're not going to be beaten consistently, and Isaiah Oliver has not been that throughout three preseason games, and if he's going to be lined up across Deontay Johnson, who, by all intents and purposes, is one of the better uh, slot receivers in football, um, that could be a long game for the Niners' uh, defense, and that doesn't mean that you know, you don't have Bosa and Hargrave and Armstead lighting it up, and we'll certainly get to those guys. But um, just focusing on the secondary of San Francisco against Pittsburgh's weapons, um, if Mooney Ward can't play, again, should play and supposed to play. If he can't play, though, um, you're relying on a smaller defensive back in Lenore, Isaiah Oliver, who hasn't shown his best work thus far, and even Ambry Thomas, who... He had a good enough camp, I think, you know, good enough to make this roster, good enough to, you know, have some confidence instilled in him by Steve Wilkes. He is the next man up, mind you, uh, over Samuel Womack. Um, this team only kept five cornerbacks, and Ambry Thomas is that fourth guy and that kind of, you know, number two outside cornerback if Lenore Mooney Ward happened to go down. And, you know, even with that being said, even watching him throughout the preseason and training camp and seeing positive things, um, who is Ambry Thomas still? We don't know. Um, is he going to be 2021 Ambry Thomas against the Bengals, which was awful? Or is he going to be, you know, in the playoff Ambry Thomas uh, pre-Rams game, you know, during the division round against the Cowboys and other teams like that? If he's that style of player, then we're going to be cooking with some oil here and feel pretty good about it. But if he does indeed play on Sunday and is asked to start, he's likely going to be lined up against Allen Robinson, another player who we're familiar with here in San Francisco, being with the Rams last year. Um, 
he's not been the same player since he was in Chicago. Um, he was taking plays off in Chicago towards the end of his run there and was certainly um, having a down year last year with the Rams, knowing the injuries they had. But even when they were healthy, um, he really wasn't a factor in the offense. And he was supposed to be the number two receiver to replace Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, but if he can get back to his pre-Rams days and pre-taking you know taking plays off days in Chicago... He's a solid number three contested catch receiver where when you have smaller defensive backs like San Francisco has, you know, that can cause some problems. Um, you know, if Pittsburgh, which this doesn't seem likely, but it's a possibility that, you know, if Kenny Pickett finds some pressure and Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave are getting inside to the pocket, he's going to throw up 50-50 balls and his receivers have a really good chance of bringing those down, especially with smaller defensive backs like San Francisco has. Um, but to be honest here, I am fully expecting a quick game, a quick passing game from the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Um, we're going to see a ton of Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, a lot of quick outs, a lot of quick slants. They want to get the ball out of Kenny Pickett's hands because, well, one, Nick Bosa's back. Uh, there's going to be some pressure to be had by the San Francisco Niners, uh, 49ers, excuse me, defensive line. Uh, and it's going to be a revenge game for Javon Hargrave, who used to be a Pittsburgh Steeler himself when he began his career in Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, San Francisco's defense is going to want to attack uh, the Steelers' offense early. And if things do get dicey and Kenny Pickett decides I'm going to throw it up, I just want to keep in mind that, you know, their, their receivers need to be respected. I know many fans out there, I've seen on Twitter all week long, look at them and, and just say, eh, whatever. Um, no, they may struggle in certain areas and may not fit our system here in San Francisco, but, you know, what they do and, and what they like to do offensively when it comes to going up and get it and just throw it deep and just figure this thing out, um, they're pretty good at. Like, George Pickens, it would not surprise me if he makes two amazing catches in this game. And if this game is tight late, you have to have a big play. Pickens is your man. Uh, but again, I expect a very quick game. I don't expect them to be, you know, just throwing it deep every single play. Like Matt Canada does not want to do that here in Pittsburgh or there in Pittsburgh. He wants to make things quick and easy for Kenny Pickett, uh, but that isn't always the case because, well, he stinks as an offensive coordinator. Uh, but we'll dive into that a little bit later when we get to the positives as to what uh, San Francisco should do or wants to do defensively against this team. But when it comes to Kenny Pickett himself... Um, I think one thing that certainly helps San Francisco is, you know, we've had so much trouble against mobile quarterbacks in our time with Robert Sala, Demeco Ryans, uh, and I would assume, or you know, you would like to think that when you're playing Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Mahomes, and others, that you are going to struggle against the mobile quarterback. And Kenny Pickett has those uh, abilities to be a mobile read option quarterback, but Matt Canada does not utilize him that way. Kenny Pickett last year, again, a very fast quarterback. You know, he's not a, you know, Lamar Jackson and an other, you know, elite quarterback like Josh Allen type quarterbacks. He's more of a Daniel Jones style of quarterback. And, you know, Daniel Jones was great last year for the Giants when it came to running the read option and led them to the playoffs. Um, Kenny Pickett only had six quarterback design runs last year. Um, this is not going to be a read option heavy day 
for the Steelers. San Francisco is not going to have to prep themselves for a handful of read option plays and, you know, keeping a quarterback spy uh, back and kind of leave someone to, you know, make sure Pickett doesn't run out of the pocket or whatever. He's not a quarterback that's going to, you know, have a game plan designed around his running ability. Um, he is someone that will escape or leave clean pockets at times. So, that's certainly something you have to look out for, but it's not like Kenny Pickett's going to you know kill you with his legs. Um, he's a fine runner. He can certainly extend plays or you know get you a first down with his legs, but he's not going to read option you to death, you know, a la uh, Daniel Jones or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen. He's not going to be that guy. Um, they are going to want to have a quick passing game. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, Pickens, D. Johnson, Robinson, Pat Fryermuth again. Um, but the thing is, is that with Kenny Pickett, he has a really good offense. And one thing I am worried about is that because Pittsburgh wants to be so quick, uh, and really just, you know, three, four, five step drops, boom, 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 get it to your guys and let them work is that Steve Wilkes is an aggressive defensive mind. Um, you know, one thing that's been noted of him is he loves to blitz and, to a certain point, that's a great thing. Be more aggressive, take more chances, and you can win a game that way. You can get a quarterback down for a sack or, you know, stop running back in the backfield for a loss of, of yardage, and that's all well and good, and you can point to it and say, I want to see Hufunga blitz or Oliver blitz out of the, the slot uh, corner position. That's all great, but Kenny Pickett has been, you know, rather clean when the defenses do blitz against him. Um, Kenny Pickett last year threw nine picks in seven touchdowns, um, but all nine of those interceptions came against four-man pressures. So, you know, Jackson or Farrell, Bosa, Armstead, and Hargrave, but none of them came against the Blitz. Kenny Pickett is not somebody you are going to have to force pressure. He's not a quarterback you're going to have to, you know, attack and you know you see blood in the water and go for the kill early he is someone who is naturally being a young quarterback going to make mistakes and a rather bland vanilla offense in that canvas scheme um you can kind of sit back and let him make the mistake himself now again their weapons are really good out there in pittsburgh and they shouldn't be you know you know handle with kids gloves but Kenny Pickett's not someone you're going to have to be blitzing every couple plays or, you know, going for the kill, you know, in, on the first play of the game. You know, he's not a, like, my mind thinks of Tampa Bay last year against San Francisco, where their first couple plays was, we're blitzing cornerbacks and safeties trying to attack Brock Purdy and rattle him early. Um, I can see the first play of the game, maybe, Steve Wilkes testing Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, maybe a Hufunga blitz or an Oliver blitz or even bringing Drake Greenlaw uh, out of his linebacker position to blitz and try to get the quarterback. But um, I don't see this being a blitz-heavy day for San Francisco's defense. And the stats and history would show that it shouldn't be a blitz-heavy day for San Francisco. Um, let Kenny Pickett make his mistakes. He'll do that. Um, he can certainly beat you. Again, he had five drives in the preseason. All five were touchdowns. So he's been, you know, you know has a hot streak going, but... In the vanilla offense, and in, in in a day and age where you'd like to think a second-year quarterback's going to improve, um, it kind of seems like San Francisco can sit back and say, we're the number one defense in football last year. Um, 
we'll let you fall into our hands and you know let the game come to us. Kenny Pickett's going to make those mistakes on Sunday, and hopefully it leads to a win for San Francisco. But to give Pittsburgh credit, um, even if San Francisco doesn't blitz, even if they don't want to bring the Hufungas or whatever it is and try to attack Kenny Pickett early, um, getting pressure is not going to be easy. Uh, they have a rather strong offensive line when it comes to pass blocking, but also they do have really good pass blocking running backs. Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, are they love to annihilate linebackers and just, you know, finish off a defensive end when he gets back in the backfield. Um, you know, Najee Harris as a runner, a rather inconsistent, but he's a good pass catching back. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some, you know, he kind of blocks a running back and kind of dumps off to his right and gets 15 yards through the air. These are good pass catching and pass blocking running backs uh, out there in Pittsburgh. And this is going to be a huge game for San Francisco's run defense. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to want to run the football. Um, and I would like to think that with Nick Bosa back in the fray that uh, San Francisco's run defense is going to be better, but this is going to be a big game and really we're going to need A-plus performances from Armstead and Hargrave and Kinlaw um, to support this rushing attack uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers because right now I'm staring at Najee Harris being, I don't know, a top 10, top 12 running back in football and also Jalen Warren, He's very much Austin Eckler light. He's really good as a pass catcher. Um, you know, looking back, uh, I think of what James Conner did to our defense in 2021 when, in the, the infamous Colt McCoy game. Um, Jalen Warren has that potential to, you know, not be in and you know lead an offense and be an all pro type player, but. He's an undrafted guy. He still wants to prove himself. He took snaps away from Najee Harris last year and really proved to be a, a really important piece of this offense. And for a young quarterback in Pickett, who, if he does feel pressure, um, they're going to see Harris and Warren a ton of screen passes and dump offs and checkdowns. And I would not be surprised if we see Warren have about five, six catches. And if he finds some open space and, you know, being a smaller physical and fast guy like I would not be surprised if if Warren finds himself in the end zone on Sunday and and we have ourselves sitting back saying you know why wasn't anybody watching that guy I'm here to tell you now you have to watch Jalen Warren because they're going to want to run the football and if Pickett has pressure against them or feels the pressure in the pocket collapse he is unafraid to give it to his top two pass catching running backs out there in Pittsburgh um, we already kind of talked about the, the receivers out there and, you know, many Steelers fans, if you're actually watching this podcast or listening to it, um, you're probably saying, what about Pat Fryermuth? And I'm here to tell you that, what about Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw? Um, this does feel like a game where we are very thankful that we have Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, the best linebacking duo in football. Um, both those guys, they take away the middle of the field better than ever anybody in the NFL um and to, to know a, a young quarterback's best friend is a tight end and, and kind of the, the check down running backs um two players that can instantly just x out annihilate exterminate uh Fryermuth and the running backs are Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw uh, I would not be surprised if Fryermuth is taken out of this game entirely it's going to be extremely hard for a rather vanilla you know Matt Canada 
The offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers is probably the worst in football, in my opinion. Um, we talked about Cam Lachu being a vanilla tight end and nothing special. Uh, Matt Canada is the Cam Lachu of offensive coordinators. There's nothing special here. Should have been fired last year. Um, and knowing that, he, he's not going to necessarily have an answer when it comes to how do you get Pat Fryermuth going, um, I really do think that Fred Warner and Greg Greenlaw just kind of X him out of the game plan entirely uh, for what Pittsburgh wants to do. Uh, there are some other areas that do worry me. In fact, the biggest one is San Francisco's offensive line against the Pittsburgh Steelers' defensive line. Um, the Pitts, like this, is going to be Brock Purdy's biggest test. Um, Maybe since the Cowboy game would have been the Eagles game, but we know what happened <laughs> back in the playoffs. But this is going to be Brock Purdy's biggest test since that divisional round game against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and it's going to be a good assessment of where he is at the early point in the season with his recovery. Um, supposed to be healthy. He looks healthy, um, ready to go. But come week one, when you know live shots, uh, shots, <laughs> When live shots start flying, when live shots start flying, and you have T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith and Cam Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi and whoever else is over there in Pittsburgh, you know these guys are going to want to hit you. They're going to they want to hurt you. They're coming for blood every single play. And you know, let's be honest here. Um, T.J. Watt, <laughs> former Defensive Player of the Year uh, in 2021, uh, he is the bendiest edge rusher in football. I mean, he's a freak of nature. Um, he's bendier than Nick Bosa, bendier than Miles Garrett. Um, he can beat you in the passing game when it comes to being a rusher, but he's also great against the run. And more importantly, he can drop back into coverage. And I think, you know, not only is this game going to be a huge, you know, statement game for Colton McKivitz, can he prove to be an improvement or at least be able to survive against a top-tier edge rusher in uh, Watt and Highsmith on the opposite side. But also, you know, he hasn't played against Nick Bosa. Like, Nick Bosa not being in camp, and, and Matt Barrows pointed this out um, about a month ago. With Nick Bosa not being in camp or preseason, Nicole McKivitz really isn't getting tested by an elite edge rusher. And so Colt McKivitz is now kind of being thrown out there, you know, kind of this, go get him, kid, go get him, Tiger. And, and you hope that Colt McKivitz can hold up. But let's be honest here, if Colt McKivitz struggles, people are going to blame him. But I'm going to sit back and say, yeah, would you would you expect to happen? And if he plays well, he'll, he'll get his flowers and we'll talk about him here on the show. But anybody, I don't care if you're a top, I don't care if you're Lane Johnson of Philadelphia, you're playing against T.J. Watt. I expect you to have a player to where you say, well, I don't know what really happened there. Oops. Um, and so for Colton McKivitz not being Lane Johnson, I do wonder how San Francisco is going to attack the Pittsburgh Steelers pass rush because, you know, Watt's great and all, and um, you can point to him and be like, you know, you, you got to watch that guy, but it's not just Alex uh, or T.J. Watt. It's Alex Highsmith, too. Um, I'm sure you're asking yourself, who in the heck is Alex Highsmith? Let me tell you. Um, Alex Highsmith last year, double-digit sacks. Him and Water probably a top-three edge-rushing duo in the NFL. Um, 
everything I said about TJ Watt being a plus pass rusher, being bendy, being a great run defender, and being able to drop back in coverage, all that applies to Highsmith, but in this case, it's an A-plus player in Watt and a B-plus player in Highsmith. Um, they're very much similar defensive ends. Now, Watt's obviously better, but like this is going to be an attack on all fronts when it comes to San Francisco's defensive line against, or excuse me, San Francisco's offensive line against Pittsburgh's defensive line. And it doesn't stop there. Um, Cam Hayward's one of the best in football um, when it comes to stopping the run. Um, he's, what, 34 years old, played what, for a decade plus. He's still an A-plus player out there in Pittsburgh. He's someone you point to and just say, he is a Pittsburgh Steeler. He, you know, he, he's ingrained in the culture and plays, you know, like... I could see him playing for the Steel Curtain a long time ago. Like, he's just that kind of player. Um, and then Larry Ogunjobi, who may not play on Sunday due to injury, but he's a solid player. Um, he was signed by the Bears earlier, I believe, this offseason, but failed a physical now in Pittsburgh. Uh, a d definitive steal for them. And so you come into this game if you're San Francisco saying, yeah, we got Trent Williams, the best left tackle in football. And you have Aaron Banks and Brendel and Burford, you know, uh, being <laughs> like second year starters in the league. And you kind of point to him and say, we hope you take the next step. And you have McKivitz being a first year starter and your previous backup swing tackle saying, I hope you hold up. And Pittsburgh saying, OK, we have a former defensive player of the year, a double digit sack total player in Highsmith. Cam Hayward, uh, one of the best run blockers or run defenders in football and a solid pass rusher as well. And you have Ogan Joby, if he plays, someone you can point to and say he can fill a need and maybe get you a sack. He's the other guy um, you point to and say, yeah, he's a solid veteran player in the NFL. And so there is some worry that, you know, how is San Francisco going to attack what Pittsburgh wants to do. Like, they're going to give San Francisco so many different looks when it comes to coverages. Um, you, know, you may think TJ Watt's going 100 miles an hour at Purdy, but in fact, he's backed up covering, I don't know, Christian McCaffrey or George Kittle. He's that good of a player. He can do that kind of thing. And you know, let's be honest here, um, it's not like Kyle Shanahan can't plan for that. I'm sure he already has the game plan ready to go and installed, and they're looking forward to Sunday to exploit everything I'm talking about, <laughs> but um, I want to bring it to attention because Pittsburgh, their fans are saying, you know, we're going to the Super Bowl. That's not going to happen, but this is a young team that has tremendous leadership. They're ready to play. Like This, this team is going to be prepared. Mike Tomlin's one of the best head coaches in football, has been for a long time. Former champion himself uh, beat the Cardinals a long time ago against Kurt Warner and Fitzgerald and Bolden. Um, so he knows what it takes to win. Never had a losing season because they win games like this. They beat teams like the San Francisco 49ers. And look, um, this does to me feel like a very heavy George Kittle game. Um, this, this really does feel like you know, a very quick, over-the-middle, you know, and I'm like, look, Shanahan's offense is very, you know, timing-based, quick stuff, get it to your stars and have them go, but, you know, this does feel like, like, my mind always goes back to that Rams game back in 2020, it was, when Jimmy had the broken ankle, where it was just literally screen pass, screen pass, screen pass, screen pass, and I'm not expecting that 
but I do I, I will say this that like Brock Purdy is going to probably be in a game plan where it's going to be you know screens to Debo and end arounds to Debo and give McCaffrey the ball and check downs left and right um, but also and thankfully we have a player like George Kittle that is going to uh, make a statement and you know I think has a chance to take this game over which brings us to um, what I think can and, and ultimately should lead San Francisco to victory despite all the things I'm concerned about um, San Francisco still is the San Francisco 49ers they they ultimately on paper like personnel wise just they're better at every single position maybe outside of the offensive line and maybe some edge depth and really kicker <laughs> and kicker is an unknown but Chris Boswell is so good out there in Pittsburgh where if it's teed up at 40 plus yards it's going to go between the uprights uh but really San Francisco has uh the the uh they, they are favorites at every single position quarterback running back receiver tight end um the starting defensive line, in my opinion, outside of you know, one of the edge positions, um, and even linebacker and safety and whatnot. Like San Francisco on paper should win this game, uh, bar none. Uh, but I do think this that you know we'll get in the kittle and stuff. But this comes down to coaching, top to bottom. Kyle Shanahan early in the seasons and past two years especially has not had his guys ready to go. Um, has not had them prepared and ready to play. Um, that's why they've been three and five and then four and four. And sure, there are certain things that happen: quarterback injuries, defensive back problems in 2021. But this team is healthy. This team is ready to go. Your best players back in the building. Um, there's no excuses now. You are healthy. Nobody's hurt. You have a starting quarterback. All distractions are gone. This team should be full systems go. And again, you're playing a team that has a has a head coach that is going to have his team ready to go in Mike Tomlin. But this game to me comes down to Kyle Shanahan, the best offensive mind in the NFL. And then you have Matt Canada, the worst offensive mind in the NFL. We know Kyle Shanahan runs this ultra complex offense with motions and screens and reads and is kind of always working a, a, a few plays ahead of the defense we see him set up defenses so well he's two or three four plays ahead of him um you know we'll see him run a power or an outside zone for one yard knowing it's not going to work because he wants to see how the linebackers move and shift and where the safety's at to exploit them later in the game and he really is a, a true mastermind when it comes to dialing up open receivers and making Brock Purdy's job so easy. Um, you know, I don't want to bring up Trey Lance, but you know, every quarterback that's played here minus Trey Lance, Nick Mullins, even Brian Hoyer had his success here in San Francisco for a very small sample size in 2017. Um, Kyle Shanahan makes every quarterback's job 10 times easier. Um, Brandon Ayuk is going to be open plenty of times in this game, and we'll dive into him in a little bit here, but Kyle Shanahan is so good at finding open space for receivers and dialing them up to give them, you know, 10 yards of separation saying, hey, Brock, um, here's a wide open window, throw it right here, and just put it there and making it easy for Purdy, and, you know, this offense is going to have success against the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense on Sunday if they can execute things correctly, but Matt Canada... Again, 
vanilla offensive play caller out there in Pittsburgh. Um, again, he has weapons too. George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren. But he makes an offense that has those weapons, a mobile quarterback in Kenny Pickett, look like it's being run by Rex Grossman with no offensive weapons around him. It looks disgusting. Um, again, you have a young collective of players that really on any other team on San Francisco would be stars. Then you have Matt Canada drawing up like, you know, it's almost like he has, he's on the street or in the backyard with your buddies and he's playing, you know, has the football in his hands and saying, all right, go up and to the left. And that's all he can do. It's very much a backyard style football game and not in the Mahomes way, more so in the, you know, run a L route, uh, no creative blocking schemes, not a lot of movement, just man, go out there and play. Um, it's not complex at all. And if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm sitting there saying like, do you even belong on the same field as me? when it comes to my my mind and my intellect of the offenses. Like, why is Matt Canada still in the NFL? And he's held this offense back in Pittsburgh so much. There's no imagination. There's no setting up defenses. Um, again, I do not know how he kept his job. Um, people point to, you know, well, they had Mitch Trubisky playing quarterback yet last year. Yeah, that's still like... Matt Canada was still the reason why this team was bad last year when it came to... You know, their offensive efficiency. He's an awful, awful offensive coordinator. And and really, it's going to be hard for me to say that it's, the, the Steelers offense can even keep up with San Francisco's. Like, just on paper, not on the actual game on Sunday. This game should be like 35 to 10. Um, it's very hard for me to say that the Steelers offense should put up a lot of points. Uh, but again... It is week one, folks. Uh, we just saw the, the Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs minus Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones lose 21-20 to against the Detroit Lions at home. Um, Kadarius Toney being a big reason for that. But we've seen weirder things happen. Last year against Chicago, granted it was a monsoon, I get that, but Debo Samuel fumbles, Elijah Mitchell gets hurt, these things don't go our way, and we're sitting there sitting 0-1. Even two years ago in Detroit... We have that game tied up and Verrett tears his ACL or Achilles early in that game. And then Detroit kind of fights its way back into the game. And we're sitting there saying, all the starters get back in because they were already pulled. Um, week ones are crazy. You know, insane things happen. And you know, I would not be surprised, despite on paper, despite me sitting here telling you that Matt Canada sucks. And, you know, he's a reason they're going to lose this game or whatnot. That Pittsburgh could eke this one out and, you know... I've already talked about why I'm concerned about playing their defense. And if Mooney Ward can't play, and even if Mooney Ward can play, um, I don't think we should underestimate what the Pittsburgh Steelers can do offensively just based off their weapons. But that does get knocked down because of what Matt Canada is and how he executes the offense. Um, another reason why I'm confident in this game on Sunday going in San Francisco's favor is our defensive line against their offensive line. Um, they're a solid group. They are really strong at guard with Samalo and Daniels, um, but I'm looking at their tackles, and this was a big, big reason. Like, to give you a, a more in-depth look of how the podcast worked, I was working on my, my notes and getting ready for this podcast pre-Nick Bosa signing. And all of my notes said, 
Nick Bosa would help here. Um, this is why you need Nick Bosa on Sunday. You have to get this deal done because of this right here, and that is how bad the Pittsburgh Steelers' offensive tackles are. They, they're just not good. Um, and more importantly, Nick Bosa, you know, reigning defensive player of the year, 18 and a half sacks, 98 total pressures last season. He is going to likely be lined up against Dan Moore, who Dan Moore is someone who was brought in or at least was brought back to be the backup left tackle to Broderick Jones, Pittsburgh's first round pick. Uh, Broderick Jones couldn't win the job. Dan Moore uh, is kind of getting it because Jones couldn't win it. And even Dan Moore last year allowed seven sacks, the eighth most of any lineman in the NFL last year. And you're telling me it's that player, arguably the eighth worst offensive lineman starting wise in football in Dan Moore against the reigning defending undisputed defensive player of the year who got a massive contract extension. Now, we don't know how much Nick Bosa is going to play. We know he doesn't have a beer belly, mind you, but he's going to play in some capacity. Um, but this is a game where I can point to Nick Bosa having two or three sacks because of the the people he's playing against. Like, he's not going to be playing against Tyrone Smith in, in Dallas or Lane Johnson in Philadelphia. He is going to play a really, really, really bad left tackle. Um, in the Pittsburgh Steelers' Dan Moore. But on top of that, like, again, my notes here say, Bosa has to be out there. He can change this game and force Pittsburgh to keep Harris and Warren in the backfield, limiting what Matt Canada is already bottom-tier coaching can do. And that's, you know, really a true fact here where, you know, if the Niners can find pressure without blitzing, mind you, um, and, and Bosa and Hargrave and Jackson and Farrell and Armstead can find their way into the backfield, um, you are going to force Matt Canada to keep Najee Harris and Jalen Warren in the backfield and kind of limit what they can do in the passing game. Um, if they have to keep one of their offensive weapons in the backfield at all times to make sure Bosa isn't hitting Kenny Pickett every single play or you know, hitting him every couple plays... Uh, that is a huge win for San Francisco, almost kind of taking away the check down or, you know, just the threat of a running back like Warren, especially breaking for a huge gain through the air after catching a check down in the backfield. Um, so Nick Bosa is going to be a huge, huge factor in this game. And look, I'm not forgetting Javon Hargrave or Javon Hargrave or Eric Armstead or Clellan Farrell or Drake Jackson. Um, you know, this is a game where... Armstead's job, in my opinion, is to, yes, be a plus run defender and stop Harrison Warren from sitting a tempo, but also really taking up double teams, giving Bosa and Hargrave, and even Hargrave's jobs too, taking up double teams, giving Bosa one-on-ones and giving young players like Drake Jackson and Austin Bryant their one-on-ones to win and, you know, allowing them to pick up stunts. And you know, we talked about this in the Breaking News podcast when Nick Bosa signed of this is going to change everything Pitts or the Niners can do defensively against Pittsburgh. Um, Chris Kosarek loves to have these stunts where Armstead takes up two guys and runs the, the garden to the center, freeing up Bosa to run around them and getting a sack or, and that works for Hargrave as well on the opposite side where, you know, they're so versatile in what San Francisco can do 
that Chris Cosair can run stuns for Armstead for Hargrave <laughs> and for Bosa and Armstead and vice versa that really like having Nick Bosa out there just changes everything for what this defense can do out there on Sunday against Pittsburgh and knowing how good the Pittsburgh's Steelers guards and you know are um that's a huge deal where if Nick Bosa is not going to be out there or wasn't going to be out there you're sitting back saying, I'm worried about this, that getting pressure is going to be an issue. Um, they have two stout guards, and you're having Hargrave and Armstead take care of them. Okay, that leaves Farrell and Jackson and Bryant and Kerry Hyder to take care of the rest, and I'm not confident in those guys just yet. And so having Nick Bosa back out there is a huge deal for San Francisco, and it frees up people like Hargrave to make a splash. It's his first game against one of his former teams. Go out there and give us a sack. Give us a handful of pressures. Eat up this offensive line. Um, I think Pitt, uh, the Niners, excuse me, they can get to Kenny Pickett. I already talked about how, you know, with four-man rushes and no blitzes, Kenny Pickett's going to give you the ball back. And for a team like the Hazufunga and Warner and Greenlaw and you know, even players like Lenore and... Uh, Sean Gibson, guys who have a knack for the football, and this is a big game for them. This is a game I'm sure they're sitting back, you know, saying like we can, the defense alone can win this game for San Francisco. Um, and again, it's not to say just to discredit Pittsburgh. Um, they're going to be a much better team this year. They won nine games last year for a reason. They avoided a losing season, and Mike Tomlin again is going to have these guys ready, but. The San Francisco defense, and the more I talk myself into this, like I came into this game worried, um, you know, being week one uh, for the for the San Francisco 49ers. But the more I talk about it, the more I kind of talk myself into it. Uh, I came in leaning in Pittsburgh's favor. East Coast game, 10 a.m. game, granting week one and, you know, but having Nick Bosa back, they have momentum, the good feeling and the good sense you're getting around the San Francisco 49ers, it means something. And I do think, again, going back to what brought me to the positives was that San Francisco's defense being so great and how they can exploit what the Pittsburgh Steelers want to do offensively, but also how good San Francisco's offense is. We already talked about Kyle Shanahan, but George Kittle, uh, I kind of already teased it, but this is going to be a huge, you know, Kittle over the middle game. Looking at the Steelers linebackers, Cole Holcomb, um, Elandon Roberts, Quan Alexander, and they even have Keanu Neal playing this you know safety hybrid linebacker spot. Um, all of them are awful in coverage. Now, Quan Alexander is probably the best one of that group, um, but we've seen him. He's a little older now, and there's a reason he's been cut from a handful of teams since leaving San Francisco and being traded to the Saints, what, 2020. Um but Roberts is someone who is just disgusting in coverage for Pittsburgh. Um, everywhere he's gone, they've had to cover him or kind of blanket um, his just really horrid uh, coverage skills. And there's a reason why Quan Alexander is here to do that. But also, there's a reason why Keanu Neal is here. And I wouldn't be surprised on passing downs, if it's a third down and five or third down and six, that Roberts is taken off the field in favor of Keanu Neal. Uh, and that they do have a kind of a safety hybrid for George Kittle. And, you know, think in a sense of what the Cardinals tried to do with with Isaiah Simmons, uh, you know, the George Kittle stopper who's now traded for a seventh-round pick <laughs> to the Giants. Um, you know, Neal is not going to be this George Kittle stopper, but he's a safety that can keep up with him uh, in the passing game. And look, 
even with all that being said, even with, you know, them bringing Keanu Neal and me saying, well, you know, it could make a difference. Um, it's not like they still or they, they only have to deal with Kittle. There's Debo and there's Ayuk and there's McCaffrey and there's Jawan Jennings. And, you know, then there's George Kittle. And I do think that even if Pittsburgh just says, look, nothing over the middle, nothing over the middle, uh, we're going to take away George Kittle, which physically they truly can't unless, unless um, Nick Fitzpatrick is involved in this somewhere. He's the big X factor here. Um, their secondary is not great. Um, it's a veteran secondary minus Joey Porter, uh, who weirdly enough, isn't starting on the depth chart for them, which I think is a mistake, but, um, they have a veteran secondary that is slower. They, while are very smart and they played what, you know, probably 15 years between them in the NFL or you know, 20 plus years between these three guys and Sullivan and, and Wallace and Patrick Peterson, who we'll get to him in a second, um, this is going to be a tough task for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, who, mind you, is good. Like they're, they're a good unit back there. But I do think that there's almost too much to handle. And knowing that their linebackers already do not have the physical capability to stick with George Kittle unless they bring down Minka Fitzpatrick, um, that's going to open up so many holes where... For Brock Purdy's physical weaknesses with his arm strength, um, he can throw it 45 yards. He can throw it 50 yards through the air. And if you're going to have to bring down Minka Fitzpatrick, um, you still got to stop Debo. You still got to stop Ayuk from going deep uh, uh, past them. And if McLeod is healthy, which it seemingly is, um, we could see him get a snap or two on a goal ball here or there. And I wouldn't be surprised if, Mink if Minka Fitzpatrick's playing in the box somewhere or playing closer towards the line of scrimmage is kind of this, you know, weird spy hybrid type player, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Shanahan takes a shot early and pretty pulls the trigger on something. Um, this is a defense that you can exploit, and I do think that getting to Patrick Peterson here, you know, they're already chirping, they're already talking. You know, Patrick Peterson today said that, you know, San Francisco's offense has tells in them, and mind you, uh, every offense has tells, and if any offense has tells to fake you out and make you think one thing and do the opposite, it's Kyle Shanahan's offense. So the tells Patrick Peterson is seeing, uh, one makes me laugh. And the fact that he predicted he'd have a pick on Sunday, um, mind you, that can happen, certainly. But I don't think it's going to be because of a tell the offense has, or it's going to be because a mistake is made by Purdy or Ayuk or, you know, one of the other offensive players out there trying to force something into a hole where it's just not there. Um, but the fact that Patrick Peterson is kind of, you know, he gave San Francisco their flowers, but you can tell that they are going to play an aggressive, like he said himself in the, whatever the podcast was called with, uh, with Brian McFadden. He said that, you know, they are going to want to stop everything uh, coming out of the backfield, all of the short stuff San Francisco wants to do. Um, they have made it a point to, you know, come out and just be aggressive in the run defense game and you know, make sure anything in the backfield is stopped early in this game and make a statement against San Francisco's, you know, quick you know end around scheme they like to run early in football games and you know to hit for, you know, for a chunk play early um 
Patrick Peterson said they want to aggressively attack those plays and you know if they can be good run defenders they can make a statement and, and, and they can make Purdy have to beat them um hearing that gives me um unfortunate Super Bowl flashbacks <laughs> with Jimmy Garoppolo against the Chiefs but knowing Brock Purdy has a little more oomph behind him and has a little more weapons around him a la you know Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell um I don't think anything Patrick Peterson said is wrong but it does make me laugh because I just saw Brandon Ayuk for a whole year have the literal most separation for any receiver in the NFL and that's because he's just so darn good at running routes like Patrick Peterson predicting himself to have a pick after what like nine games against San Francisco never having a pick like I get the confidence there but come on dude <laughs> like this isn't the Niners you know offense of 2019 it's even better than that um this isn't San Francisco's offense of early last season which we didn't play Minnesota last year he's never seen this offense on the field um he pointed to the, the the Eagles game against how they were so aggressive on bubble screens and end arounds and how they were really, you know, this kind of hovering and kind of, you know, st you know storming or swarming were the words he used of, you know, the screen passes and the end arounds and stuff towards the line of scrimmage. Um, I'm sorry, Patrick. Philadelphia was doing that because Brock Purdy literally could not throw the football. <laughs> um, they knew he couldn't force it deep, and they were trying to limit what he actually could do physically uh, in <laughs> from like the second quarter on. Um, so I don't think that's the game to point to. And so for Patrick Peterson, like their secondary this year for Pittsburgh, their starters, Patrick Peterson an older cornerback who's not as fast as he once was. He he used to be amazing. And even Brock Purdy today responded to his words when he said, you know, the Niners offense has tells, I'm going to get a pick. And Brock Purdy said, he's a great player. I used to watch him growing up. We'll see. Like, there's that much confidence oozing from Brock Purdy against the secondary that, you know, Pittsburgh can think, well, we got it in the bag. Like, we got this scheme. We got it. This game plan is dialed up. And San Francisco is like, yeah, <laughs> watch this. Um, there have been many a defenses to think they had San Francisco in the bag. Um, and confidence plays, don't get me wrong. Um, this isn't a knock on Pittsburgh, but they're not the first team to think they had San Francisco in the bag. Um, and then lose by 25 or 24. It, it happens. <laughs> it happens sometimes. Um, now, mind you, this is, I believe, the first time since 2019 the Niners and Pittsburgh Steelers have played each other. Um, I believe that was also Minka Fitzpatrick's first game with the Steelers following his trade from the Miami Dolphins. So a lot has changed in that time. And I believe San Francisco turned the ball over five times in that game. Ultimately won, but for San Francisco, uh, if you don't turn the ball over, you're going to win. And I don't think Pittsburgh's defense, um, when it comes to the, the cornerbacks and the linebackers, have you know this knack for the football. It really is Minka Fitzpatrick and the pressure that can be generated from Watt, Highsmith, and Hayward, and Ogunjobi. Um, like any game, this game is going to be won in the trenches, 
in San Francisco, it's kind of the flip here, right? Where San Francisco has the advantage over the Steelers' offensive line, and well, the Steelers' defensive line arguably has the advantage over San Francisco's offensive line. <laughs> so um, I think we're going to see a low-scoring outing from both teams. I don't think it's going to be a 35 to whatever or, you know, a, a 27 to, you know, 24 game. This game feels like um, a game where it's like 17 to 20 or, you know, a 14 to 21 outing for San Francisco. Um Again, I came into this game feeling uncertain, unconfident in what San Francisco can do. But after reading my notes and, you know, talking to you openly and honestly about this game and stating my worries and my concerns. And, you know, there's a real, real possibility, a real outcome here where San Francisco does lose this game. We've seen them start slow and make early mistakes. And, you know, last year, I think, is kind of the outlier in that, knowing it's Trey Lance, a young quarterback who shouldn't have been starting and you know, was limited in what he can do physically, and you know, playing in the monsoon also on top of that, there are things that just happen in week ones that make you sit back and say, thank God that's over. It's like in baseball. Like, how many times do you see a team lose 15-2 to two on opening day and that team that lost wins 98 games come year's end? Um, same thing happens in football. You, you can lose week one. Like, the Chiefs tonight are not going to be an, a subpar team because they literally have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and hopefully Chris Jones, um, and they can get that thing worked out. But this is a game for San Francisco. Like, this year is so important to get off to a hot start. And we've talked about, you know, how good Debo can be. And, like, again, the cornerbacks, Peterson and, and Sullivan and Wallace, they cannot tackle Debo Samuel. Like Debo Samuel and Kittle, even Ayuk, they want to run over all of these people. Um, this game is truly going to come down to who can utilize the quick game the best. Um, and if if I had money, it'd be on San Francisco. How do you, you know, null and void an insane Steelers pass rush? Well, quick game. And if and if the Steelers' defense comes to play and they're stopping what you can do offensively, it's not like San Francisco doesn't have the ace in the hole and Christian McCaffrey to, you know, to sit back and go, what do we do? No, like, San Francisco has, like, he's so dynamic. Uh, one of my good friends, Chris, at work at, at 95.7 The Game, uh, the minute we traded for Christian McCaffrey, his first words were, we're going to the Super Bowl. And I said, like, what? Like, that, that's crazy to say. Like, we're a great team, but we'll see. He goes, no, no, no. He's so dynamic, and he truly is. And we saw that at display last year. And so if Pittsburgh's going to, you know, they want to protect home field, make a statement week one against a really good team in San Francisco. But I, I really do think after talking about this openly and hopefully swaying you and kind of calming your nerves that, yes, Pittsburgh does have some advantages here. But San Francisco, just thinking about it, they have the advantage from the offensive mind point of view, and, you know, they they have so, like, their weapons are better than Pittsburgh's overall. Our quarterback's better than Pittsburgh's. They're, the one advantage they could have offensively in their quarterback being the mobile side of him, they don't even utilize it. So that kind of eliminates one thing they can do they're not going to do on Sunday against San Francisco. So I hope you had a good time. I cannot freaking wait. For Sunday, um, 
I guess I can announce this now, but I'm going to be hosting with Alan Styles and Mark Grandy the San Francisco 49ers overtime show following Sunday's game against the Steelers that 95-7 the game. Soon as the game's over, turn your radio on, use the Odyssey app, and tune in to myself reacting to hopefully a San Francisco 49ers victory on Sunday over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, this is a huge game for us. You don't want to be 3-5. and five. Even, even I said in my season preview, which I'm already ripping up and tearing up and throwing it away, because I said, I think we're going to lose this game. Now I'm sitting back saying, yeah, it can be tough. It's going to be close. But now I think about it and I talk about it and I go, hmm... San Francisco are the better team on paper. They have the better offensive mind. And sure, Pittsburgh is a good team, a young team. They want to come out there and smack us in the mouth and make us bleed and hurt us and burn us and whatever it is. They're going to come out hungry. It's up to San Francisco to stop that at the beginning, to put their light out quick if we're on offense, score on your first drive, put up seven points and say, this is how it's going to be every single time. Demoralize them early. Um, and if we're on defense first, and I hope we are, let our number one defense make a statement saying you're mild vanilla freaking Matt Canada-led offense that is literally the like this freaking wonder bread, like the white bread of the NFL where if you're playing Madden and you've studied that game, you probably have a more in-depth knowledge of how offenses work in the NFL than Matt Canada does. He's awful. Um, shut that crap down. Just shut it down. Don't let Kenny Pickett get out of the pocket. I want them to maybe not blitz, but if they can get some pressure early, uh, it is going to limit what the Pittsburgh Steelers can do all day. Um, Mooney Ward being healthy is definitely a big plus. Um, it's not going to lead to 50-50 balls downfield, but look, I'm telling you right now that the more I talk about it, the more confident I am. Uh, maybe it's the, the the joy and the, just the positive nature of having Nick Bosa back in the building. I've talked for months and months and months, and, well, that's actually a long time, but days and days and days and weeks and weeks and weeks about how it feels like there's this negative vibe over the franchise, and all of that is seemingly just... Someone took a freaking vacuum and just, you know, and got it out of there. They freaking brought out the Ghostbusters and just, they got that ghost out of the room and out of the organization. It feels like there's positive vibes back in Levi Stadium. And I hope as this team travels to Pittsburgh, they feel those positive vibes too. And I hope you do as you listen and watch me on YouTube or the audio uh, podcast, where, whatever platform you're listening to. I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, week one's here, folks. Football is back. Niners football. Real football is back, and I hope you're enjoying yourself along the ride to week one. The Chiefs are 0-1. The Lions are 1-0. I hope we are saying the same thing about the San Francisco 49ers. I hope they're 1-0 come Sunday's end, and I hope we're celebrating a victory because that podcast... We're going to pop some champagne if we do win. We're going to have some fun. But again, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on the audio version, please like, subscribe, and leave that review. It definitely helps the show uh, on the podcast charts and also helps the YouTube platform. We have 450 subscribers before this comes out. I want to get to 500 before week two of the NFL season, and you can help me do that 
only on YouTube. Tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your grandma, tell the people you love and your friends you have in your life about this show and say, hey, um, I know this podcast and I hope you like it too. So I'm having a good time. Um, plenty of live feeds coming your way, plenty of live streams coming your way. Um, we're talking long one hour niner podcast still coming your way throughout the entirety of the season we're at week one i'm predicting niners win throw my entire season preview out the window i'm feeling good right now niners win i'll say 26 to 20 26 20 san francisco wins week one against the pittsburgh steelers and we're celebrating here on the podcast come sunday night monday morning have a great weekend. Enjoy week one of the NFL season. Again, please like, share, and subscribe. Leave a review. Comment your prediction down below on the YouTube chat and channel. Um, don't forget to use our promo code 49ersaccess at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself some money. Even if you want to go to this game on Sunday and you're in Pittsburgh, you can still use that promo code and save yourself $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. If you want to buy some Niners gear, use our link at fanatics.com. Support the show and get yourself some gear in the meantime. And also, if you're watching the game, we're watching the game. Follow along with us on Twitter and Instagram at our social media sites at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. Again, my name is Sterling Bennett saying welcome to week one of the NFL season. We made it there, and we are certainly in store for a hopeful, great San Francisco 49ers 2023-2024 campaign. It starts on Sunday. I can't wait for you to come along with us and enjoy the ride next to myself. Whether you're watching or listening, have a great week one. My name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. There's my dog shaking his tail, and stay faithful.